Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're in the second week and we're going to be talking about here the altar. There's a reason why we've gone through the sequences of events in this and we've taken the tabernacle to give an example of how we do this. If I can just briefly just give you the diagram that's in your syllabus. This is what we have discussed so far. We have went through and talked about the veil. Number three, we talked about the veil first because this is where Jesus, he ripped the veil into two when his body was on the cross and the veil, which we learned was how God even keeps a veil or there's Israel still has a veil over their minds and blinded to the fullness of who Christ was. But when you have Christ in your life, the veil is removed. And what stood between you and the most holy place that was in your heart condition, Jesus prayed the price and forgave us of our sins and removed the barrier. Aren't you glad that he did that for us? But on one side in the holy place, there was a altar of incense, and that's what we're talking about today. The altar of incense is the first mention in the book of Exodus as you read in your syllabus. It's one of the items inside the holy place of the tabernacle. The altar of the incense was made, I call this acacia. Acacia wood. You can call it whatever you want to. That's how I interpret that word. I went over it ten times last night, and I think I still get it wrong. And overlaid with gold. The altar of incense was placed before the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy of holies. Aaron was instructed to burn incense in that altar each morning and at twilight every day as a regular offering to the Lord. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 30 verse 1. I'm going to read through a portion of this and I'm going to leave this and, and kind of build from there. Here's what it says, Exodus chapter 30. If you have your Bibles, go there. If you don't, look on the screen. As the instruction gave, then he said, verse 1, then make another altar of acacia wood for burning incense. Make it 18 inches square, which a cubit was that uh, traditionally by the Hebrews, they understood it was from the elbow to the tip of your finger, which was about 18 inches or so in average. And 36 inches high. With horns at the corner carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. And, and so many theologians and, and scholars will tell you that those horns go back in history. And kings and queens used to wear horns on their hats and heads, which represented their power and authority. And, and so when they look at this, even now... In the Hebrew teaching, traditionally, those horns represented power. And they believed that God had them place those horns on each corner facing the north, the south, the east, and the west. Meaning that every scent and all the prayers that come from there, which is a representation, a prayer, it would be dispersed to the four corners of the earth. Everything in this tabernacle was representation of a new system and a new covenant. Overlay the top sides and horns with altar, the altar with pure gold. And run a gold molding around the entire altar. Make two gold rings. He attached them from opposite sides and the altar below and the gold molding to hold the carry poles, the carrying poles. Make the poles again 
of the Acacia. Somebody tell me what, how to say this. Acacia. Okay. Acacia. By the way, this is the kind of church where there is no rewind. There is no do-over. We're not afraid to make mistakes. So just telling you, we're very transparent here, but we're not dumb. We just don't know how to say hard words. And if you can say them better, tell me, because some, there's some names in the Bible. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care how long you read the Bible, how long you've been doing it. You just can't pronounce it. It's just hard. Anyhow, thank you, Lord. My insecurity made me lose my place. Verse 3 says this. No, I'm sorry. Verse, verse 5. Make the poles of the wood. Overlay them with gold. Place the incense of altar just outside the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant in the front of the Ark's cover and place the of atonement. That covers the tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. I will meet you there. I will meet you there. And listen to what he says. Again, God said he'll meet us there. Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar and every evening when he lights the lamps. So it had to be lit. The incense had to be done in the morning and in the evening. This must be done from generation to generation. Keep this in mind. This practice must be done from generation to generation. I'm going to stop right there. Every altar has to be built in every home. Our number one value here, again, is the family. And we're going to teach you how to build and give you God's blueprint for a spirit-filled home. This is part of the blueprint and one of the most important parts of everything done within this tabernacle. And there is a resemblance of our modern-day covenant, our new covenant that God has with us. And I'm going to show you through the scripture that this was a type of prayer. But it's interesting to us when we found out that it had to be done in the morning and in the evening. And it had to be shared from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Because God knows what he's doing and he knows how to build a family. Notice I said, not a church, but a family. He knows how to build and establish his family. This was for the family of God. And I think if it's good enough for God's family, I think we need to just simply say, Lord Jesus, whatever you have to say to instruct us and give us direction, any wisdom, any insight, I'm ready to receive it right now in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap one more time ahead of time. Turn to somebody and say, it's time to build an altar. It's time to build an altar and you can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you for worshiping and thank you for being here. There are a lot of facts about this altar and I gave you a few of them. There's the frankincense, the other ingredients that were mixed in with this altar to give the proper incense that God required. And there's the height and there's the, the width and all of the, the measurements. And it's, it's amazing to me that every time God had a plan, he didn't say build it. God gave specifics and gave measurements to that build, right? So, so God's very specific in his approach to his will. God is a God of details. 
He's a God of details. And there's a reason why God did what he did. And when you look at this in the holy place, and this holy place is where people throughout the scripture had God encounters. For example, uh, number one, you know, remember he said he will meet them there. And the priest, the first priest that we look at today, this morning, is Zechariah. When you look at Zechariah, who was the father to John the Baptist, it was his lot or his time he had been chosen to light the incense. If you want to know how the incense were lit, then you go back and read in the scripture, and it goes back to taking the coals from the brazen altar where the sacrifice was given. Now, you're going to hear us talk about these things because they're relevant to your covenant. When you have an understanding of where you come from, you know exactly where you're going, and you can remove the limitations because when they lit that altar, and when I, when I say altar of altar of incense, it's synonymous to prayer. Just remember that. It's synonymous to prayer. But when God had built the tabernacle, there was a fire that came from heaven that started the fire under the brazen altar where the sacrifices were done. After God started the fire, it was up to the priest to maintain the fire. Then they would take coals from that fire, walk them into the holy place, and put them on the altar of incense. And there they would mix the incense. The point being that every fire that comes into our life and our prayer life and our passion, it begins with heaven. It comes from heaven. In fact, nobody would be here had the Spirit of God not drawn you here some way, some fashion. None of us would be saved or born again had we not been prayed for. Somebody had fire someplace in our lives. I don't know who prayed for you. It may have been your mother. Uh, it may have been a friend. It may have been someone, but somebody had a fire. And when that's transferred into your life, you have to steward that fire. You have to maintain that fire. It was... Zechariah's lot to go in there and light that, and this is where the angel encountered him and gave him the instruction to how, uh, what, what name would be given to John. It's also where you look into the scripture that when it says day and night, and day and night that, that it was lit, you have to begin to look at how God sees a day. We've taught this and teach this here that when God created the heavens and the earth, it was evening and day, and that was called the full day. And, and, and there are times of prayer. There are moments that God calls us to to maintain the day. You see, the, the secret to living for God and being victorious and seeing the favor, the blessings of God in your life is learning how to manage a day. Just one day. Some people get overwhelmed because they think of all the days and it's so hard to think about all the responsibilities when really God just called you to be a steward of one day. If you can do it one day, you can do it another day. Zechariah went into the holy place again, and the scripture confirmed it that that was the time of prayer for the people. 
they would be praying at that time. And so when Zechariah came out, they saw him. He was speechless. Everyone began to wonder what happened. They thought he had saw an angel, which he did, and their, or a spirit, and he was pale. And it was that encounter, and he couldn't talk, and everyone began to ask. But there were people that were there. These were people that were outside the courts that were praying. So that was the time of prayer. So it, it doesn't surprise me that any time the enemy had come into Israel's life like Goliath, did you ever read there, and, and did you ever catch this, that when Goliath came and taunted Israel, the scripture says that Goliath would come do this in the morning and in the evening. In the morning and in the evening. Isn't it funny how it seems like when you wake up in the morning to set your day, that thoughts hit you, that you remember a dream, that you have other worries, desires, your to-do list comes up while you're in prayer and things begin to attack your mind? And isn't it funny how sometimes right, right before you go to bed, some drama happens that like messes up your sleep? I, am I the only one? I mean, you got to like take double doses of melatonin, right, just to get bad. I said, I'm going to bed. I don't care about none of this stuff that happened. I'm just going to knock out. Okay, nobody takes melatonin. Excuse me. <laughs> just say amen. There's something about the morning and the evening that God knew. Your morning begins at night. Your morning begins at night, according to creation. You want a successful day, have a successful night. But that altar of incense, according to God, had to be done twice a day, in the morning and at night. No wonder Goliath came. I believe he came at the hour of prayer for the Hebrews. And he would taunt them and come against them. When you read that, you can find it if you want to look it up in 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 8. It also says in the book of Psalms that there was an arrow that the enemy throws by day, that flies by day, attacks that come through the day. And there's a destruction that comes at noonday, and there are pestilence that walk in darkness in the evening. There is, whether we want to recognize it or not, a spirit world, an unseen world of darkness and light. And even though it's not night, the enemy still works and implements everything that was done in the evening. I do believe that God saw this ahead of time and taught the church how to outflank the enemy. How to be one step ahead. There's a reason why David was so excited to go back and get the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines. And he became a buffoon is what the scripture says. His wife, Michal, was hair-lipped when he came back with the linen ephod, worshiping in front of the Ark of the Covenant because he knew as a warrior, as long as he had that holy thing and as long as he had that in the temple, that that system would be in place and there's nothing that the enemy could do to stop them. This was the secret to David. This was the secret to David. David even said this, the mighty warrior, David said this in reference to the altar of incense. Listen to what he says in Psalms 141 and 2. He says this, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. 
That's what David's prayer was. If there's one thing David knew how to do, it was worship. He knew how to pray. He knew how to fight, but David would never win had he not had a worship life. David knew that was his secret. That's what made him a great king. Beforehand, before there was David, there was Saul. Before there was Saul, there was the tabernacle. And the prophets. And Samuel said, they rejected you. They actually said they rejected me. They don't want my leadership. God said, no, they didn't reject you, Sam. They rejected me. I'll give them a king. And Saul stepped in to try to take that authority into the world, and he failed. But then God said, I'm going to have to find someone after my own heart. And that's when David was elevated. And God chose a man, and you can see it right here. The secret was he was willing, even though he had failures and mistakes, he was still willing to recognize that without prayer, he can do nothing. Without prayer, without that in his life. He said, speaking from his prayer perspective, let it be like incense ascending up into the heavens. There is a place in the scripture as well from John the Revelator. Did you know that in the book of Revelation that John had a vision? And in that vision, he was in the temple. And when he saw this, he saw the altar of incense. And he said it was the prayers of the martyrs in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the martyrs went ascended into the heavens and that the heavens caught it in a bowl and that heavens poured out those prayers in the earth as judgment to justify and vindicate the martyrs. Your prayers, when they ascend, you may not see the results right away, but you'll get results if you keep on praying. God will vindicate. God will take care of you. God will justify. God will be by your side. Let me remind somebody, the battle belongs to the Lord, folks. It's not us. Stop fighting. Stop getting an attitude. Stop. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Stop being bitter. Forgive. Let go. It's not worth it. It's hindering your prayers because it's giving an unholy fragrance to God. A fragrance that God would admire and love is there was a recipe for that fragrance that he gave and the incense. And it's very specific, very specific. But our spirit has to be right. And so God was very detailed. God was very detailed. I think it's amazing how God is detailed and, and the instructions. Some people think that, you know, God doesn't do, uh, give us the right, uh, just tell us what to do, right? God doesn't tell us what to do. And, and I'm going to tell you that when God told them to build that, Moses, he was very specific. 18 inches, 36, which is amazing to me because 36, uh, for me, is about the height when I kneel down for prayer. My head goes about right there because I'm short. <laughs> Yours may be bigger. You may be taller. I don't know. But it's exactly where the altar of incense is. It's exactly there. I think that when you, even you look at pictures and find that example of the priest being there, they're on their knees in a humble disposition in prayer as the incense fill 
the room of the holy place and the altar. But when God gives you specifics, he wants you to know that he'll give you the measurements. But are you willing and obedient to do them and to follow through? Point number one, I want you to write this down. What measures are you willing to take? What measures are you willing to take to establish your prayer life and to put God first? It requires something. Exodus chapter 37, again, it's one of those things where when he told him to make the altar, he gave the specifics of 18 inches square, 30 inches high with horns in the corner. It was all specific, but you know what? God can give you the blueprints, but if you don't work those plans, those plans don't work. God can give you the plans, but if you don't work those plans, those plans don't work. And God will deal with you. Your measurements may be time. Time is the most valuable asset and economy that we've got, right? Time. You may just be right here in the measurement that God has for your prayer life. See, the altar life, I believe the altar is established discipline from where your prayers ascend, a lifestyle. So you're getting measurements, and some of you are doing a one-by-one. I'm just saying, can you imagine? That's a miniature replica. One-by-one, I think I'm good for three inches, and that's where my prayer life is. Right? You know exactly the measure and how far you have to allow God to stretch you and how much it's going to take time-wise or, or work-wise or mind. How much of your mind are you willing to give God and your heart are you willing to give God? And you get the measurements because God gives you the specifics. God deals with everyone to tell them, here's the altar. This is what it requires, and it takes time to build it. It takes time, but you must count the cost, and you must realize that in order for a prayer life and a worship life to be established, there is a price, and there are measurements, and there are things that we have to do. God gives us the blueprints. He will teach you how to work your schedule. He will teach you how and what to entertain yourself with or what not to entertain yourself with, how to live, how to walk, what to do. You have to let God measure that for you. Let him give you the stats. How many of you know right now there are some things that you can do to have a better prayer life? How many of you will be honest with me? I know I, there's some things I can do. I know that right now. I know there's some things I can do. There's some measurements I have to take. There's some things I have to begin to guide it by and lead by and do for the sake of my family. But if I'm going to have something in my home, I have to be willing to be obedient. Those plans that God gave to Noah meant nothing if he wasn't obedient. You have to have it on the money. God didn't say 19 inches. God said 18 inches. 36 inches height, this is what you do. You got to be obedient and do exactly what he tells you to do. Only you know. Only you know. But here's another question. If you knew exactly what to do, would you do it? 
Would you do it? Would you do it? What does that look like? That could be an hour up earlier than normal. That could mean, I don't know why I keep bringing this up. Every time I'm up here, I just, the word Netflix keeps coming to me. Who in the world can't get off of Netflix? I, please get off of it so I can stop mentioning it up here. It could be at nighttime you getting off of Netflix. I don't know what in the world's going on here. I haven't been saying Disney, that's all I know. It's time. It's your heart. You know how to do that. But watch this. A successful prayer life is measured by your obedience. A successful prayer life is measured by your obedience. You know why people have not loved, you know why some people don't love to pray? Because they don't get results. You have to ask yourself that question, how much results have you been getting from prayer? You're going to get results if you work hard. I'm going to tell you right now. If you have faith, you work hard, you steward right, you'll get some results. Everybody does. That's common sense. But I'm talking about spiritual matters. I'm talking about things that money and work can't buy. I am talking about things that only God can do. How many of you have something in your life that only God can do? There's only some things God can, you can't buy the anointing. You can't buy an angel. I mean, like angels for rent, right? That'd be a great business, right? Rent your angels today. What kind do you want? A comedian, right, right? Different messenger angels. Are you, are you on the same page, right? Entertainment angels, warring angels. What do you got? Right now, $19.99 a month, right now. I mean, I'm just telling you, you can't buy an angel. You can't. There was a person in the scripture that came to Paul, and he tried to buy what he saw in Paul, and Paul looked at him and said, let your money perish with you. What I'm trying to tell you is Jesus already paid the price, and you already are rich in Christ Jesus. You just have to learn how to access it. We don't believe in a prosperity gospel. We believe in a provisionary gospel. All things will be added to you if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He will meet all of your needs. And he will exceed everything in your life according to the power that what? Works inside of you. So you have to work some things out spiritually. Faith without works is dead. So there is work required. But did you know that prayer is a work? It takes work. It requires focus. It requires some nootropics. Some of you don't know who nootropics are. Some caffeine. Some coffee. Okay? You got to wake up. You got to get focused. It requires you to warm up a little bit. That's what the Word of God is for, right? You warm up your mind. It's like a, like a pre-workout kind of thing for you, right? You kind of get the ball rolling, get your mind focused. You know when your mind is out of alignment with your spirit, you can effectively pray? 
That's why I believe the word of God's been given to us in written form to align our mind with our spirit so we can have full flow and free flow and get our mind focused on him. If you have a hard time with prayer, read the Bible a little bit. That's the prescription and get focused on what you just read and apply the promises. It'll help you. It'll help you. But remember last week when I told you the key to having a good environment in your home is when God has done away with the fleshly nature, tore the veil into two. Where do you think spiritual warfare is in your mind and your spirit? And where do you think that battleground is out outside of your body? It's in a heavenly realm. And once you have allowed the Spirit of God to do away with that barrier between the presence of God and you, then there's one way to release it. You remember what that was? How do you release the Spirit of God in your life? Words. Words. Life and death is in the power of the what? The tongue. If you want to set the spiritual environment for your home, your business, your career, your life, your personal life, it must be through words. And that's how you pray. Can I give you a little secret? Are you ready for the newbies? This is not prayer. I'm not talking, right? Like, the harder you frown, you don't become more powerful the harder you frown, right? Like, <laughs> you think, oh, I'm moving heaven right now. <laughs> That's an ugly face, right? <laughs> that doesn't do anything. You're working your facial muscles. You may get a facelift or maybe you get some wrinkles. I don't know. All I'm telling you is, is that prayer is opening up your mouth, talking to God. But there's a different level of that. Your spirit has to be right in order for the right fragrance to ascend into the heavens. When your words are right, it's because your heart is right. And if you have a heart condition, your words won't line up with God's word. And the only way to fix that is to go into prayer I'm going to show you something. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Isaiah, Isaiah actually had a vision. He was in the temple, right? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to what Isaiah said. This is powerful. You catch this. This all flows together. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, not the choo-choo, the train of his robe. You understand what that means? Let me explain it to you, okay? Historians also tell us that when kings won battles and they took kingdoms, they would actually execute those kings or cause them to go into exile, and they would take their robes and every time they took their robes, it was a sign of victory, and the king that won would have that robe sewn onto his robe. And that was the train of his robe. Here's how powerful your God is. Here's how powerful he is in your life. His robe filled the temple. Listen to this. Attending him were mighty seraphims, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. 
They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. See the correlation there? Armies, Lord of heaven's armies. God is mighty in battle. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation. That's the temple, the tabernacle. And the entire building was filled with smoke. That's the altar of incense. And then he said, it is all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I was, and he said, I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the ther- seraphims flew with a burning coal he had taken from the altar, the altar of incense, with the paratone. And he touched his lips with it and said, watch this. Remember, he took the coal from the altar of incense, which represented what? Prayer. He touched the coal to his lips. And see, he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Where did that coal come from? It came from a fire that God started. It touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Guilt is one of the major hindrances in prayer. Because you feel guilty from something you did, and you have condemnation and guilt. That's what happened to Isaiah. He was feeling guilty. And he said, your sins are forgiven. That was the source of it because he was forgiven. When you go into prayer, through your prayer life, God will touch your heart and your tongue, and he will release you from guilt and shame, set you free, and now you have right to light the incense and allow God to see and receive your prayers that come from your altar. Don't feel like because you've made a mistake or don't feel like because you have a past or don't feel like because you may, you know, have have thought something or whatever it is in your mind. Can I tell you the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any mistake and any failure or incident we have in our life. But when you go into the presence of God, you can boldly approach the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. This is where God begins to alter your speech. When you go to God and you establish that altar, that disciplined life of ascending prayers to him, your words begin to change. And you have access. Are you ready? Don't forget, we put the scriptures together. And I just read you prior to this that a warring king whose train filled the temple now is hearing your prayers, and he will fight for you. His armies are angels. You're a citizen of God's kingdom, and you have angels that will war on your behalf. And as long as you're connected to the king, who's the mightiest warrior, who has never been defeated, who is high above all principality, power, dominion, and might. Let me give you the good news. And you, who were once strangers and foreigners, are now fellow citizens and saints with the household of God. 
the foundation being built upon the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy habitation of God in the spirit. In other words, you are seated with him in heavenly places. So you're not just down there. You are with him. Your spirit, man, is right of passage. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God in your life has given you access to the King. And through your spiritual prayer life, you have right to go. I'm going to give you this next point. Your prayers, once you understand that your prayers were meant to ascend, your prayers were meant to ascend once you understand because that there are no limitations. And what are the barriers? Here's where we're fixing to go deeper. I'm fixing to show you something. Here's what I'm fixing to show you. There are many people, like I told you earlier, who don't practice prayer on a regular basis because you don't get the results. And you're asking things and you're asking amiss according to your own will, not God's will. But when you line up with God and you have the right recipe and your prayers ascend, not only will they ascend to the heavens, they'll fill the area and the space that you live in and set the tone. You see, the smoke that came from the altar of incense went under the veil into the most holy place also. It filled all the temple. That's what Isaiah saw. It filled all the temple. All you could see was what you saw through the smoke through the presence that smoke represented, the glory and the presence of God. And that's what God wants you to have, an atmosphere. You know, today we're going to do like a little illustrative message. I was going to get incense and let them light them up here. But man, I got a headache from that, that incense smell. How many of you ever lit incense before, right? If you grew up in a Latino home, your mama lit them all the time. I don't know what they were smoking, but anyways, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I don't know. That stunk. I told my wife, I can't do that to you guys. You're going to walk out of here like, oh, my God. You're like, <laughs> you're, <laughs> the 930 service would have walked out like this, and you would have been like, oh, my God, it must have been a powerful service. <laughs> right? No. Pastor Bobby used the old incense my grandma used to use. These things give you a headache. But it filled the atmosphere, and everyone that prays, should affect the environment around you. Everything should be filled. Did you know when you pray, you leave a residue of the spirit that you have? Did you know that? When your prayers ascend up on high, you go through barriers. I want to show you this diagram right here to help you. I want to show you this diagram and this. I, I drew that, by the way. That's why it looks like a kindergartner drew it. Um, evening in the morning. It was a consistent thing. So when they lit it in the morning and the evening, uh, by the time the twilight came and the time came, they would light it again to maintain that. And it said this should be every day and should be taught from generation to generation. Your main responsibility for your home in order to have a spirit-filled house is to make sure that you train and teach your family how to pray and worship. In your home, are you ready for this? In your home, not just in church. Oh, man, I'm about to say something that's probably going to. But I'm going to tell you. Can I just be flat out honest with you? 
I, I don't know what kind of church, the church you went to before you got here. I don't know how they function and operate it, but I'm going to tell you how we do it here. God did not call me to pray your prayers. Now, he called me to pray over you and to release into the atmosphere the assignment and the anointing and the authority because there is a government and there has to be a breakthrough. So my personal life, I have to rise to a new level if I'm, you're going to have opportunity to rise as well. That's just the way it works in the government of God. But the truth is, you have to have your own relationship with him. So my responsibility is to share the anointing, how, to, how we create the environment here that's conducive for your prayer life. But after that, you have to go home and have one yourself. We are called to raise your family and your kids. We're called to teach you, to train you, to help you so you can lead them. That's what most churches won't tell you probably because they want you to believe, oh, we'll do it all for you. Be careful. No one can do it for you. The understanding of the church is an institution that God established to colonize the earth by sending people out and training them and helping them grow so you can see your life and your family change. In other words, this is a model for your home. Have church at home too. After Sunday, there's Monday, Tuesday. You can come here on Wednesdays. That'll help a whole lot. You'll go deeper. But Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, everybody should be having church at home. Everybody should be around there building an altar, establishing a lifestyle, and there should be a fragrance coming out of your house. And I promise you, when you do this over your home, there'll be an open heaven over your family, over every place, because you're going to break through the heavens. When God said, he said, I, he created the heavens and the earth, not the heaven. Heavens, plural. Plural. Now, according to Scripture, even to the Apostle Paul, he said that there was a third heaven. And, and, and then there was a place where there was revelation. He was called into the heavens. And then Daniel talks about the space between when the angels received assignment and the place of warfare that they were fighting, which was the second heavens. And the first heaven was the firmament and everything that you see that's earthbound. There's some people, I don't know, I mean, I don't know where they get this from, but I've heard some people say they were in the seventh heaven. I've never read about a seventh heaven, so I'm not going to say, you know, there's a seven, heaven, seven heavens. Maybe they make cloud nine or something like that. But in the Bible, there are only three. Where the throne of God is, where Paul ascended and got revelation and understanding. But that warfare is in the second heavens. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. When you pray earthbound prayers, you have no revelation of the third heaven understanding your identity in Christ Jesus. So there are ceilings over your prayers because you can't break through the seventh heaven where the warfare takes place. Daniel was told by Michael, God heard you the first day from the first level. But then... I had to withstand the prince of Persia, which was a principality, we believe, 
in order to get to you. But God in the third heaven heard you, released us from that area. We battled in the second. Now I'm here to give you the message in the first. You understand that? So when your mindset is, I'm praying, watch this, I'm praying from here up. Listen, your prayers should ascend up into the heavens. That's why John the Revelator saw the incense ascending into the heavens and catching and responding back. Here's the beautiful part. God has made you to sit with Christ in heavenly places. Look at this next chart. Jesus, your high priest, was behind the veil. You remember when the body of Christ, when Jesus gave up the ghost and, he, and the body of Christ died, and, and the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom because it was from the third to the first, and that's how every battle is won. Every battle is won in this earth as heaven sends reinforcement and conquers from a heavenly perspective. But in your mind, you don't know you're seated with Christ because of the Spirit of Christ is inside of you. Listen, if you have the Spirit of Christ, how many of you know that the Spirit of Christ is synonymous to the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, kingdom of God? Does everybody understand that? Okay, when you receive the Holy Spirit in your life, you receive the Spirit of Christ. Where is Christ? Where is Jesus? You're connected in the Spirit. So when you begin to pray, you need to pray from a heavenly perspective down, and you're not just shooting up at angels trying to get them with buckshots. You're dropping bombs from the third heaven saying, Lord, send and dispatch everything necessary over my life, over my children. Send barriers and let God do the battle for you. You see, King Jesus... The one thing that separated us in that second heaven was where the spiritual warfare of our mind and our opposition takes place. But Jesus did away with that, like the veil. And now you and I have access. You are the priest. That's where you come into play with the tabernacle. He made us a royal, what? Priesthood. He called us kings and priests, which represent dominion and ministry. The kings, small kings, small K, king of kings. He wasn't talking about Caesar and all these other people. They didn't do the will of God. He's talking about you having dominion over your region, an area of responsibility to take land. And he said, king of kings. King, small K, and Lord, capital L, of small lords. You know what a lord is? means owner. You use it all the time when you say, well, you used to use it if you rented and say, I got to pay the landlord something. You may live there. You see the crash of the market. When the market crashed a while back, we found out real quick who owned properties, who didn't own properties, because the owners came and got it. If you want to know who owns a property, who's in control of it, then you got to look at the title. And you have to look at the deed. And when Jesus said, it is finished, what he was saying was, I paid the price for everything, now it belongs to you. 
but it's up to you and your mindset to take authority over this thing and allow him to reign through you. That's right. Adam, take dominion. I built this earth, now you take control of it. And here's the principle. I learned this from a pastor, not a friend, but a minister. I heard him preach this just recently. He kind of confirmed everything for me, and I'm telling you, it makes sense. We want God to take control when he gave us full control and said, you do it, and I'll help you. You know what the scripture says? Command ye me the works of my hands. In other words, I'll do it if you'll just tell me to do it and line up with me. See, that's when your prayers take on a different dimension, and you're not bullied around anymore. You're not pushed around anymore. You're not tricked. You're not, there's not a, a strange wind that blows in and persuades you differently, and you're not moved by emotions, but you're solid, and you're steady, and you're on the foundation, and you have a prayer life, and there's a river that flows, and your identity is found, and you begin to realize, you know what? God is real, and he answers my prayer, and I have more authority than what I thought, and I see God begin to move this. I see God establishing that. I see these obstacles out of the way. I see my children coming in. I see my marriage becoming stronger. I see every relationship in my life be made straight. I'm watching all of this stuff. Why? Because you have built an altar and you have lined yourself up with heaven and you've allowed those prayers to ascend into the heavens and now God is responding because if you keep on praying, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get an answer. You're going to have a breakthrough and when you create a breakthrough over the atmosphere, you're now living under an open heaven and when the veil has been removed, you have complete access to the high priest and as a priest coming into your daily responsibilities in the morning in the evening the glory of God begins to come the atmosphere begins to shift angels begin to respond and things begin to change things begin to change Here's what I want to leave you with. Come on, Alicia, wherever you're at. Come on, girl. Get the measurements. Begin to build it, and God will help you maintain it. He'll help you maintain the fire. This was the secret to Israel in the old covenant. When they kept the incense, it had to keep going. It had to keep going. This was maintaining the atmosphere for the high priest to come in, everything to be right. It was a command. But here we think that was just for them. No, 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 no. God established a new covenant. Now you are the temple. And as a temple bearer, you have the Spirit of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And that middle wall has been done away with through Christ Jesus on the cross. But you see, as a priest now, you have to go in the morning in the evening. And here's what I'm trying to tell you with that. You see, the incense would be lit in the morning, but they would maintain itself and go throughout the day. Some people have asked me before, how long do you pray? Here's the response. You pray till you can't stop praying. Light the fire and maintain it. How do you maintain it? You maintain it through worship music. 
You maintain it by watching the right things, listening to the right people, having the right relationships, and making sure that your heart belongs to Jesus throughout the day. And when the nighttime comes, an enemy tries to set, step in and try to sow seeds into your family and misguide them, misdirect them. You've already outflanked them because now you're going into the evening time and you're beginning to worship. You're beginning to pray. And the altar of incense is constantly going, constantly going. And the smoke is so thick, hell is going, I can't see anything because they keep on praying. I can't see anything around here because the smoke is too thick. You are now putting a, a wall. You're now putting a barrier for them to see and you're breaking all communication and all plans that hell has had. I'm going to give you an understanding very quickly and help you understand this. And I'm not trying, but you have to be aware of this. You must understand this. Do you think heaven is organized? How many of you believe heaven is organized? Okay. There are three angels that God put over this organization. Ready? Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. They were over the entire system. The angels. They had a third to each of them that followed and the angels served. The third, a third of those angels under Lucifer fell to the earth. But guess what? It never lost their structure and organization. That's why there are principalities. That's why there's Satan. That's why these other little imps, familiar spirits, all these things. You read it in the scripture, you'll find out there are different levels. And they're organized. When the church isn't organized and, the, and hell is, that's why our prayers aren't getting answered. But when you organize your house and organize your family and organize your prayer life and build an altar, I'm telling you right now, hell has no authority over you. And you will get organized. Then you begin to outrun and outdo everything he tries to do. And every assignment gets canceled. Every plan gets canceled. And you have now set yourself up and your family to win, to be victorious, to have authority. Because here's the principle. In any warfare, with our modern day terminology, whoever owns the airways controls the war. Every war that we ever have ever gone to has been, we must control the airspace in order to win. And when you learn to control your spiritual environment, can I tell you what you have the authority to do now? You can put up a no-fly zone and say, hell, you can't come over my home. You can't touch my relationships. You set a boundary on everything and say, if you ever come close here, then you're going to be blown out of the sky and you're going to be taken care of, but no weapon formed against me can prosper because you ain't even got the airspace to come and take us out. You got little imps coming around here, little demons that come around, but we've got some air bombers that are coming around here and going to shake up everything that can be shaken and the kingdom of God can't be shaken, but everything else around it is going to begin to tremble and it's going to begin to go. That's why Jesus, when he gave up the breath, there was a shaking and an earthquake that transpired in the earth and the Roman soldier, the centurion, said, surely this was the Son of God. You can outrun, you can make the devil run just by having a proper prayer life and being consistent and letting God work through you. 
God wants to give you a place of authority in your life. I want you to repeat this after me. Get the measurements. Begin to build it. And God will help you maintain the fire. Count the cost, in other words. Start the prayer life. Begin to build it in the discipline. And God will help you maintain that. And if you maintain that as a priest, you're going to see the high priest come in. You have full access to him all the time to help you pray, to help you win. And heaven's on your side. But God doesn't do nothing unless you stand in the responsibility. God wants to help you. It's time to build an altar. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning? I hope this helped you. Did this help anybody here this Sunday morning? How many of you got it? How many of you got it and said, okay, man, I get it. I get it. Take the notes. Take the scriptures. Go home and study it. Find out for yourself. Because if you can apply what you learned here today, I promise you, if you can be consistent with it, there's a reason why God said, light the altar in the morning and in the evening. I know. I want to share something with you. My morning time in prayer is one of love and and, and, and I can feel a different tongue come on me in the mornings and it's like a release. It's like a release that I'm setting the tone. The scripture says, as the sun shines in its strength, it's like the Lord. And that's what happens in the morning. There's a release. There's a release of, of, of your day, commanding your day and establishing the boundaries. And so, But at nighttime, there's a different warfare that comes on you. There's something different that just begins to work in your life. And I'm telling you that God will begin to orchestrate things. Orchestrate things. And do things at night. That's when the bombs are dropped. How many veterans do we have here that went to Iraq? There's one right here. Remember when we first invaded? I, I know whether you were for the war or not, it doesn't matter. It's a strategy. When did we start bombing? Was it at night? At nighttime? I'm telling you, at nighttime, God wants to drop bombs. And then when the light comes forth, you've not for you now you got full control. Whether you want to be in a warfare or not, you are. Hell's not going to bother you if you don't pray. Hell, in fact, if you're doing well in business and you're not praying, he'll leave you alone and let you succeed. Why? Because you're not making a difference in the kingdom. You're not seeing any lives change, and you're not influencing anybody. But when you start praying, and you start surrendering, and you establish an altar of incense, you may have a little restriction just for a moment, not much. You'll have some, but once you break through, and now you created an open heavens over your life. You're going to see victory after victory after victory. Prayer after prayer answered. Prayer after prayer after prayer. Words being released. As you speak the word and release it, angels are going to respond. You're going to see things happen. And there's some things you're going to learn you don't have to pray for. You just have to know this is the will of God. And I release it into the atmosphere and say, be done. Be done come to pass in Jesus' name because heaven is in full agreement with you. Can we lift up our hands right now and just begin to pray in the Spirit? Yeah, I said pray in the Spirit. When's the last time you prayed in the Spirit? When's the last time you allowed your spirit man just to intercede with the high priest and allow the high priest to come? Just if you've got 
If you got things in your heart that you need to release, God wants to give you the right ingredients, grace, mercy, love, forgiveness in your life. And he wants your spirit to be a fragrance that's going to ascend into the presence of God right here in this moment. If you've not given your life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus right now. He's the king of kings and he wants to rule your heart and he wants to help you and just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my ways. Forgive me of my error. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every family. If you're here with your family, Bring your family together. Hold hands with your husband and wife, your children right now. Let's just agree. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare and I speak over my family right now and over my life that there is going to be an altar built, that there is going to be a life of prayer established, and that the grace of God and let the fire of God fall. Let the fire of God fall upon us. And let there be a sweet fragrance ascend into the heavens. And we ask you, dear God, from that perspective, that you would begin to bombard the second heavens. And God, let your will be done in the earth. And begin to set our families free and drive out every spirit, drive out every enemy, drive out everything that has been hindering the work of God. Open the heavens. Establish the avenues established God right now we pray against poverty we pray against sickness and disease we say God the word of the Lord says that you were wounded for our transgression you are bruised for our iniquity the word of God says that God we are rich in Christ Jesus and you provide all of our needs but we are a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people we're seated with you in heavenly places so we come against all barriers we come against all strategies, all plans of the enemy. Right now, we declare that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, that we are called out, chosen, coming out of darkness into your marvelous light, that we are the chosen people, that we are your children, that we are seated with you in heavenly places. So, Lord, dispatch your angels over our families Dispatch your angels over our region. Touch this city. Convert this city. Establish your will and your work in this city. Let people be baptized in the Spirit. Let every one of my family members be baptized in the Spirit. Let every one of my friends, God, be delivered and set free. I speak it. I release it according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now give him a shout of praise and lift up your voice and just let him know how powerful he is, how worthy he is. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.